It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Nuggets took back control of the NBA Finals. Is this their series to lose? Also, what went wrong for the Heat in Game 3? And where do the Suns go from here as they may plan to move on from Chris Paul? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. After falling in Game 2 in Denver, the Nuggets had to regain control of the series. And in this one, Jamal Murray keyed a double triple-double from the Denver Nuggets. Two 30-point triple-doubles for Denver, Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray as they retake control of the series at two games to one. Matt Moore from Locked on Nuggets joins me now from Miami. And Matt, that was the talk of game two, was whatever Miami was able to do to take care of the other players around Denver. A conversation you and I had and you kind of dismissed a little bit because Denver's offense was still really good in game two. But what helped Jamal Murray get off in game three? You know, I think his energy was better. I think the focus was better. They adjusted some things in terms of how they flipped the angle of the screens and pick and roll coverage. Uh, They did a much better job cutting off ball to create confusion. They kept the heat really leveraged all night. And when you do that, Murray is able to get into his bag. I also say this, like when Murray starts hot, it's always a good good thing for him. He has to get going early. Uh, This is probably Jamal Murray's best game of his career. Uh, I've watched the entirety of it in Denver. This was probably his best game. He had 50 pointers in the bubble, but this was his Mm. most complete game. Playmaking, scoring, tough shot making, and defense. The Heat kept trying to go at him, and he made play after play. They tried to take advantage of him off ball. He made the right rotations to contain their three-pointers. On top of it, he was efficient from the field and added to the scoring total, picking up a huge amount of slack. This was an absolutely phenomenal game from Jamal Murray. It'll get overlooked because of a 30-20-10 from Nikola Jokic, but this was, in my opinion, the biggest and greatest game of Jamal Murray's career. If you look at the shooting in, in these games, and that has been the story for the Heat most of their postseason run, when they shoot well, they tend to win. The difference in expected field goal percentage from deep and and actual in game two was 22% over expected and they were 3% under in this game. Well, that cashes out at roughly the same in terms of expected three-point percentage. So did you think defensively Denver did anything different to make those shots a little bit more difficult? Yeah, I mean, they tried. That was a good start. Was they actually like tried to defend the three-point <laughs> line, which is always a positive step in the right direction. Uh, their closeouts were great. Uh, their awareness off ball, they communicated much better. They talked about how big that was for them defensively to be able to make those call outs. They disguised their coverages a little bit more. The Heat were not able to recognize what they were going to do as easily. Michael Porter Jr. talked about that, that they were making it too easy on the Heat to recognize and make reads out of that. But their weak side awareness was great. 
Bruce Brown. Aaron Gordon was so phenomenal in this game. They let Aaron Gordon take Jamal Murray, or I'm sorry, Jimmy Butler a little bit more one-on-one. And they let, honestly, they let Jamal Murray hang one-on-one with Jimmy Butler. And Butler could not get it going consistently enough to force that help. And when the Nuggets played disciplined, they really did a great job defensively in this game. The Heat probably shot below what you can expect after they shot way over in game two. So who knows what game four is going to look like from that perspective. But a lot of this, too, is midway through that fourth quarter, the Heat only had 28 attempts from three. That's a better number for them. The Nuggets not only were able to contest more of these threes to drag the percentage down, they didn't allow them to get up as many. It won't show in the final box because Duncan Robinson was basically chucking it in the last couple minutes of the game. But overall. The Nuggets' defensive effort was almost as impressive as Murray and Jokic were tonight. I know Denver does not get credit for being a, a terrific um, rim-defending team because they don't have that shot blocker the way that you know the Bucs have with Brooke Lopez or Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis. But the size of Denver in, in the rebounding, for example, was a huge yes. part of this game. Denver out-rebounded the Heat 58-33. to And Miami missed a lot of shots around the rim just because they're playing small so often. How did you think the size played into this game tonight? Yeah, they did a great job. I thought Jokic in particular was great contesting at the rim. I mean, they were forcing the Heat into uncomfortable shots. You know, Bam Adebayo was still getting loose on all of these shots. He wasn't able to make a lot of his mid-range things that he was able to knock down, but they were really contesting at the rim. They did a really good job of just being big physical presence and not letting them get offensive rebound opportunities. They completely dominated on the glass tonight and that should be an area where denver excels they're a much bigger team they're a better rebounding team all season this should be a huge advantage if the heat are going to play all these shooters denver needs to be able to punish them by rebounding and then that gets allows them to push the ball as long as the heat are not shooting an incredible percentage from the field so all of that kind of combined this was a a total all phases of the game performance from Denver. Stay up to date all year on the Denver Nuggets by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Nuggets on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, is it a simple fix for the Heat to even the series? Before we answer that, Messi is coming to America. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up to claim that no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to who wins the NBA Finals. Or you can look at the diamond. The LA Angels are hosting the Chicago Cubs tonight. FanDuel has the Halos Favorite on the money line with their odds to win at minus 136. So don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $2,500 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. They're an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. 
arguably the greatest soccer player ever, is coming to Major League Soccer. Lionel Messi will make a stunning move to enter Miami CF after his departure from Paris Saint-Germain. Messi made the announcement about his next club in an interview with Spanish publication Mundo Deportivo and Sport. MLS later confirmed the proposed deal on social media. The 2022 World Cup winner was linked with a return to his former club, Barcelona, as well as a possible move to Saudi Arabian club Al-Halal, but ultimately chose Miami. Reports state the terms include an option for part ownership of Inter Miami. At least someone refused the Saudi Arabian money in sports this week. Former Arizona Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is set to make his first free agent visit this week when he meets with the Tennessee Titans. The Titans head coach, remember, Mike Vrabel, was the linebackers coach and later the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans when Hopkins was voted to two Pro Bowls of his five in his career. I don't want to shortchange him. Hopkins posted a 100 reception season in 2019 when current Titans offensive coordinator Tim Kelly was calling plays for the Texans. New York City looked like a scene out of Total Recall. So with the stench of smoke permeating Yankee Stadium and wafting through its walkways, Major League Baseball postponed games in New York and Philadelphia on Wednesday night because of poor air quality caused by Canadian wildfires. A National League women's soccer game in New Jersey and an indoor WNBA game set for Brooklyn were also called off Wednesday amid hazy conditions that have raised alarms from health authorities. The Yankees and White Sox played through a lesser haze Tuesday night. A day later, stadium workers and fans arriving early to the ballpark wore face masks for protection in a scene reminiscent of the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope everyone stays safe in what is a scary, scary scene. Elsewhere on the diamond, Ellie De La Cruz hit a ball 458 feet at 114 miles per hour for his first career home run. And that was only the second biggest homer of the game for the Reds. Will Benson, let's go. What's up? This is Jeff Carr from the Lockdown Reds podcast. And if you're not having fun right now, you're not a Reds fan. If you don't love what this team is doing right now, I can't help you because everything Oh my goodness. How on earth does someone upstage Ellie De La Cruz's first ever career home run and first ever career triple? You hit the walk-off that wins the game. Will Benson with a beautiful shot. Both him and Ellie De La Cruz hitting it just about out of the moon deck in right field. I love this team. And, and, and the Reds have just won a series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it was a frustration game for the Washington Nationals as they lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ryan Clary from Locked On Nationals here. The Nationals lose to the Diamondbacks tonight of a score of 6-2. Patrick Portman giving up his three earned runs in that first inning. It wasn't a pretty one. Multiple doubles there to start off the game. That was the 2022 version of Patrick Portman we've been dreading to see. But after that, five straight innings of really good pitching, to be honest, when we're talking about Patrick Corbin, but he wasn't even the story tonight. Again, let's talk about it. This Nationals offense did not get the job done when we needed them most. Runners in scoring position, they weren't getting runs across the board, and it's simple as that. And obviously, the Nationals did play a game tonight, so you know what that means. This Nationals bullpen did not live up to the expectations. Once again, 
Jordan Weems just getting called up from AAA, giving up multiple earned runs in that ninth inning. Do you have an answer of what to do with this Nationals bullpen? You let Davey Martinez and myself know. Here is another story you need to know. Apparently the way to beat the outlier performances of the Miami Heat is to have an outlier performance of your own. Christian Braun has 15 points, shoots 7 of 8 from the floor, and the Nuggets come back and take a 2-1 lead in Miami, a 109-94 win from Miami. Wes Goldberg from Locked on Heath joins me now. And, and Wes, I I half joke about the about the, the random white dude coming off the bench and, and killing the team, but that is, a, in fact, a thing that happened. But let's start here with Miami. What changed from game two to game three? They missed shots, right? I mean, you look at what they did from three-point range tonight. They shot uh, 31%. That's just not going to cut it. It's very similar to what happened in game one, right? Uh, I do think that the Heat got quite a few good looks. The biggest difference in this one, to me, was not just the three-point shooting, but the missed shots at the basket. I think it was 18, 19, 20 missed shots in that restricted area for Miami. A lot of them by Jimmy Butler. Quite a few of them by Bam Adebayo. And so if you're the Heat and, and, and you're getting those looks that you want, you can't really afford to miss them against a high-powered offense like Denver. And then in turn, the Nuggets were taking those shots, those missed shots, and running like they were turnovers and scoring on the other end. I think if the Heat make more of those kind of restricted area at the basket looks, I think this game looks a lot different. Yeah, like the do you attribute this issue, 94 points, probably not going to win you a lot of games. Um, the, the issue at the, the close rim competition here, they have like four turnovers. Usually, if you have four turnovers, you're going to win most basketball games with four turnovers. But they couldn't make anything. So was was that more about what Denver was doing or more just the Heat missing shots you expect them to make? I kind of think it was more the Heat missing shots. It was a weird game from Jimmy Butler. He was as aggressive as I've seen him since the Milwaukee series, Pete. Like, I don't... We have not seen that. Everybody kept asking, when are we going to see playoff Jimmy? When are we going to see playoff Jimmy? And he tried to show you playoff Jimmy tonight. But... For whatever reason, that touch in that area just wasn't there. You mentioned the fact that they had just four turnovers. Uh, like I, but like I said, Denver was grabbing those misses and running as if they were turnovers. Denver in this game outscored Miami sixty to thirty-four in the paint. Uh, that's a lot of misses by Miami, and it's a lot of easy buckets in sort of transition and semi-transition for the Nuggets. So. How does Miami get back on track? And I just fear that your answer is going to be make shots. So let me let me ask it another way. How can they get in position to make, whether it's more shots or just get better shots potentially? Yeah, I got to credit Nuggets, the, the Nuggets defense. They were closing out on Miami shooters much better than they were in games one and two. That was a big part of Michael Malone's film session and his message to the team. So credit them for doing that. They certainly did do that. I think it's now on Miami not just to make the shots that you're going to get, but also to get a little bit more creative again. You're the team that lost. Now you're the team that gets to make all the adjustments. They're going to come out. You know Eric Spolster is going to find some more stuff to pull out of his bag, add, take take more pages out of the playbook, and use those things. Like They just need to find new ways to kind of throw off Denver the way that they did in the first two games. And, the way that, and considering how the Nuggets sort of figured out their offense here in Game 3, the Heat are the team that are on the ropes right now, and, and Game 4 is certainly a big one for them in Miami. Stay up to date all year on the Miami Heat by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, what is next for the Phoenix Suns? Is they plan to waive Chris Paul? 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Conflicting reports about Chris Paul's future in Phoenix leaves questions about how much longer he will be on the Suns, if he will be on the Suns beyond a couple weeks from now, joining me now from Locked On Suns, Brendan Clean. And, and Brendan, first we got the report from Chris Haynes that the Suns planned to waive Chris Paul. Then Woj walked that back and said, no, there's been conversations, but nothing has been decided. There is a deadline. It's the end of the month to get something like that done. And in that report, Woj also said that DeAndre Ayton could be a part of a trade package this off season. What do you think is the most likely outcome here for the Phoenix Suns? It's always fun this time of year in the NBA to not only have to parse the news, but why certain people are putting different information out. It makes Indeed. it uh, makes it very fun for all of us who want to just know what the heck is going on. <laughs> I think um, I, I I honestly will say that the maybe craziest outcome is the most likely one, or the one that I expect the most. Uh, to be honest with you, which would be waiving Chris Paul, guaranteeing him the fifteen point eight million dollars that is guaranteed. That will need to be locked in by that June 28th deadline that you referenced. Paying that to him, waiving him, and then bringing him back to the team on maybe a minimum contract. Uh, this is not something we see in the NBA. That sounds very NFL-ish to sports fans. But uh, that seemed to be the, the the seeds that the Suns planted two years ago when they signed Chris Paul to this contract, uh, which guaranteed him just a bit more than the deal he originally opted out of following their finals appearance in 2021. It was kind of heading toward this moment. I would imagine, as the last paragraph of that Woj story indicates, that Chris Paul still wants to be here. He has family in Los Angeles, and he's been here for three seasons. He's moved around a lot in his career. I think that would be the most desirable outcome for everybody, but the fact that there was the walking back and everything else just complicates all of it. Yeah, you mentioned Los Angeles. There were a lot of people on Twitter I saw jump to conclusions about, oh, he's going to LA. It's a foregone conclusion. How would a trade work if it was workable for Phoenix and Chris Paul to say a team like the Lakers? Or there are certainly other options potentially. Yeah, the Clippers as well, right? I mean, that's where he was. Who knows if he would want to go back, but they need a point guard as well. I think that uh, that's where my mind was at up until today. Uh, what was the trade going to look like? And then that timing really coming into uh, coming into play because I think there's also another slew of teams who might find it palatable to trade for Chris Paul and then be the team to cut him. Use his salary in some sort of you know mechanism that way. I don't feel like we're headed there. That is a little bit more of the disrespectful route, having him once again end up somewhere that he did not want to be like he did once upon a time in Oklahoma City. You want to do right by a legend that that came to your team and gave you a finals appearance and everything else. So we probably are headed towards some crazy cutting and re-signing, waving and going to another team on a small contract or a trade to a team he actually wants to be on. Um, 
that's a big dollar amount though at 30.8 million which is what he would count for in a trade and I think that's why you saw the dominoes kind of fall to where the Suns ended up being today where they let it get out that they might be leaning toward just cutting him because a team would have to send out a bunch of stuff to get him at this point 30.8 million dollars even if it's you know bad players or undesirable players you still got to send something, and that's probably the hard part that the Suns are, are hitting themselves against when they do explore his market. Although, of course, none of that's happening because it's not June, June, uh, July 1st yet. Well, and and if you're Chris Paul, you want to be the place that you want to be, but you also want to be there for the most money. You'd probably rather not play on the minimum if you could avoid it, yeah. which would mean potentially being traded. So I can see from his perspective why you'd want to say, well, before you waive me, let's see if there are options out there is there a team willing to trade for me that I would want to go to that would pay full freight? And if not, then let's see what these other options are for those who are not um, as, as into the minutia of the CBA and the NBA salary cap for my money, it is the most complicated of the major sports salary caps. Can you explain how the stretch provision could play into all of this? Yeah, so the stretch provision is something that saves owners from themselves, basically. You know, a lot of salary cap mechanisms are like that, and it's basically giving you an out on a really big contract or really any type of contract that you get to cut somebody. You still owe them whatever is guaranteed on their salary, but you get the amount of time left on their deal times two plus one is how that works. And so basically... uh, The Suns have this extra year on top of the one we're talking about. Chris Paul actually has a contract that stretches on to the season after this one, which is fully non-guaranteed. Another reason why we were kind of headed toward this moment. They can use that to then extend and stretch the remaining 15.8 guaranteed million dollars over five seasons. Stay up to date all year on the Phoenix Suns by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Suns on your favorite podcast app, on YouTube. And finally, Rory McIlroy still hates Liv. The multi-major champion said he's resigned to the fact that the PGA Tour will have to accept money from Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, but he's satisfied that the Liv Golf League won't be a part of the alliance. But it's not Liv. I think that's the thing. I still hate Liv. Like, I hate Liv. Like, I, I hope it goes away, and I fully expect that it does. Um... And I think that's where the distinction here is. This is the PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. Very different from Live. All I've got, tried to do is protect what the PJ Tour is and what the PJ Tour stands for. And I think it will continue to, to do that. I feel for Rory. I really do. But he's putting on a brave face and moving forward because what option does he have? Well, I did give one yesterday when I suggested he start his own league, but it doesn't seem like he's going to do that. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, what's next for CP3? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.